Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. Today's service actually uh, has a testimony from uh, Mr. Mark Eufer, and he is going to be sharing about the peace that God has given him. And then we will have a sermon on peace. Uh, our Sunday school is at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship service is at 10.30 on Sunday mornings. You are always welcome to come join us in person. Thank you. Um, I want to thank Pastor Joe for giving me a couple of minutes here this morning. Um, I just felt really led by the Lord to share some of the events of this past week in my life. And um, um, anyway, uh, as some of you may have recalled last week, one of the things I, I I'm thinking back to my week, and last Sunday at this time, as Pastor Joe was talking about joy as a fruit of the Spirit, and I stated publicly that I count Hosanna as a joy in my life, and it really is. And this week has proved that out more than I could possibly express. And so um, I had no clue uh, what was going to be told me, but Monday, for those of you who maybe know on the prayer chain, uh, Julie and I went to a specialist in Mankato and I was diagnosed with uh, carotid melanoma cancer in my right eye. And um, I know that many in this congregation have dealt with cancer. I know that uh, God is powerful and I know that he is going to see me through this somehow. And I just ask for your continued prayers. And um, um, I just, um, I guess what I want to say is that uh, it's been revealed to me. What, you know, okay, so back up just a few minutes, Mark. <laughs> So like in a matter of a few minutes, like again, I know some of you have been through this, but in a matter of a few minutes, when a medical professional uses that word in front of you and uses terms of, you know, percentages and I'm going to lose the vision in my eye, uh, uses the word fatal, uses percentages, it's just, it's just un, almost uncomprehensible and but what was even more amazing after, of course, I asked the question, why? And then he uses the medical term, unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, since I've done the math and what you, whatever, it's like unbelievably on. Un but uh, an answer, what, and why I'm saying this, uh, one of the things that came out of my mouth was I couldn't, well, I couldn't believe what I was hearing my own voice say to the doctor. Lord has blessed me with a good life. I have nothing to complain about. I have nothing to complain about. Look, look at people who've never had vision in their life to start with, born blind, the blind man. Look at people that deal with a instant crisis of a, of a fatal accident somewhere. No chance to share the story of God with others. No chance to share the love with the ones they love instantly taken away. I've been blessed and I feel it's been revealed to me this week. Why? I'll tell you why. 
It's so that God can be glorified out of this. And God is going to be glorified. I have no doubt in my mind. It might be maybe a miraculous, I pray for a miraculous healing, a miraculous recovery, no loss of it. Yeah, I pray for that. Of course, I'm not ready to give up one bit. But on the other hand, if that's not in God's will, I also know that his, a miracle of his happened. What came out of my mouth was that it doesn't matter. God has it. I have been blessed way beyond all measure. And so I have nothing to complain about. And I'm going to use this opportunity, God willing, to the best of my ability to um, further his kingdom, to bring glory to him, whatever means that can be. Um, and the other gift that he has given me that is just unbelievable is the gift of peace about this whole thing. I believe that's one of the gifts, the fruits, whatever verb you want to use, or, or I don't even know my English, but uh, <laughs> the gift of peace. And it is an unbelievable peace that I would have never believed that after hearing those few sentences in my life last Monday that I could have this peace and it is for sure from God and for sure I'm going to give him the glory for that peace. So it's to God can be glorified. So I appreciate any prayers going forward, but regardless, I want you to know what happens. God will be glorified. And so as I other things gone on in the week and how could we have possibly faced this as Christians? We count on our faith. And that too, as we know from Ephesians 2.8, is a gift from God. It is not of our own doing. It is a gift from God. And God has granted me that faith. And not just now, but throughout my lifetime, I have been so blessed. And so I wanted to share a song with you that um, speaks of... Uh, of course, uses analogies of people going through trials in their lives and, and uh, talks about, you know, a guy, whatever, out in the ocean and sailing on in, in, in faith. And, but I just, you know, so think of it. Think, I want you to think back to whether it's been cancer or other trials that many of you have faced. And I, I know we, we all have trials. We all have issues. But let's thank God for that faith. So. I have journeyed through the long dark night out on the open sea by faith alone sight unknown And yet his eyes 
eyes are watching me. The anchor holds, though the ship's been battled. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging sea, but the anchor holds in spite of the storm. I've had visions and I've had dreams. I've even held them in my hand. But I never knew they could slip right through like they were only grains of sand. Anchor the ship's been battered, the anchor holds, the, the sail's been torn, I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas, the anchor holds in spite of the storm. have seen it was in the night through the storms of my life that's where God proved his love to me the anchor holds though the ship's been battered Today, we're going to talk about peace. It was ironic that we're both talking about peace, the peace that the Lord gives. So if you please rise out of honor of God's word, Galatians 5, 22. We're going to hit some other verses in here. Um, I'm not going to have it quite as long as I had planned, simply because I can do that because I'm the one preaching. <laughs> and so... Uh, Galatians 5.22, that's found on page 1,239 in your Black Pew Bible. And they read in Jesus' name, 
I'm going to read 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for peace. We thank you for your Spirit. We thank you that he is the one that bears these fruits in our lives. We thank you. Guide us now as we seek to understand what peace is, what it looks like, how you work it in us. Lord, that you might be glorified, that the world might know you better. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so the consistency here is we're talking about different ways, different places that we look as we experience these things. And so love, where did love look? Outward. Love looks at the other person. Love doesn't look at self. Love looks outward. Where does joy look? Through. And so it's not about the situation, it's about what the situation is going to bring. And I was really struggling with that because peace can also look through. But peace doesn't just look through, peace looks up. And that's what's interesting about this, I, I thought, because peace looks up. Peace has its eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, on the kingdom of God, on things that are greater than the trials and the piddly stuff of this world. Because ultimately, when it really boils down to it, what is the stuff of this world? in comparison to the stuff of eternity. You know, what's my reputation? Of all the couple hundred people who know me, what does it matter? Woohoo! What's all of our money? You know, of the tens of dollars we have in the checking account. <laughs> and, or whatever. What does it matter? Aren't, what are these things? Peace looks up. When we're looking at the things of this world, how quickly can the things of this world be taken away from us? Just like that. It's amazing. You know, we'd, we got, had the privilege of talking to Mark and Julie on Tuesday about this stuff. How quickly it changes. How quickly our lives changed at that. You know, it's just one moment's one way and one moment's the next. If we're looking, if our eyes are on the things of this world, if we are resting our gaze, putting our hopes, putting our dreams, putting our desires, our plans on the things of this world, there can be no peace. Period. Because none of the things in this world are promised to us tomorrow. Or even five minutes from now. I have no promise in this world. But I have promises that are greater than this world. John 16, 32-33. Does Jesus promise us? John 16, 32 through 33. Behold, the hour is coming. I still hear pages turning. Sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. John 16, 32-33. That's found on page 1,149 in your Black Pew Bible, if you're using that one. And I read in Jesus' name, Behold, the hour is coming, 
Indeed, it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Where does our peace come from then? Is it because Jesus is going to come and make everything shiny and new? No. We don't have, he doesn't give us peace in our stuff. I'm going to make sure, Doug, that you will never have any aches or pains. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, he doesn't say that. Too late. late. Bother. No, he says, in me. In me you will have peace. And so, where do we get peace? Is this, it really isn't that hard. The more I draw into Christ, the more peace I will have. The more I draw into the things of this world, the more tribulation I will have. The more I trust in the things of this world, the more problems I'm going to have. The more I trust in Jesus, the less those problems are going to matter. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems. If I really, really, really believe in Jesus, I'm not going to have any aches or pains. No. It's that they're not going to be the point. It's not that the trials and the tribulations are going to be the point. It's because Jesus is the point. He becomes the hope because he has overcome the world. So if Jesus has overcome the world and I am following Jesus, what can the world do to me? Nothing. It's powerless. It doesn't have capability. It doesn't have... What can Satan... Did Jesus overcome Satan? Does Satan now have power over me? Nope. Why? Jesus has overcome. Can, can the IRS overcome me? Well, if I'm cheating on my taxes, they're probably going to take away all my money. But that doesn't mean that they can stand in between me and Jesus. That doesn't mean that they can take away my peace unless I'm trusting in my money. They can take that away. Don't worry, I don't cheat on my taxes. But there's nobody in, the wor- in America that scares me more than the IRS. Remember that, IRS. Um, <laughs> but this is the reality. If I'm trusting in Jesus, if I'm walking with Jesus, the things of this world can't take Jesus away from me so they can't take peace away from me. They don't have that power because it's about Jesus. Like, well, are we going to face trials and tribulations and and hardships? Well, if you're going to live a godly life, you're going to face that. I was going to talk about Job too because did Job face trials and and persecutions and difficulties? Trials, yeah. How would you guys like to lose all of your children, all of your land, or all of your flocks, all of your herds? Some of you would be like, I don't care about flocks. That God, Jesus can take away my flocks. I don't need any sheep anywhere ever. Um, But Job had all that taken away from him. Job had his health taken away from him. Job had his reputation taken away from him. Job had his friends taken away from him. Because as you're reading that, Job's friends, who are they speaking on behalf of? It wasn't God. So there's one more option. No, they were speaking on behalf of Satan because they were accusing Job. 
As you read the re- you know, we, we like to read the first two chapters and then the last two chapters of Job, right? Um, because we've got all of that awful discussion in the middle. But what are those? Those are Job's friends acting on Satan's behalf, accusing Job. This is how Satan's going to accuse you. He's going to accuse you that you must have done something wrong. I encourage you, read through it in light of that. Because Satan still hasn't taken his life. Can Satan use our friends to accuse us? Yeah. But you know the interesting thing is? Satan never goes one step further than God allows him. Think about that. Because Satan's not in control. Jesus has overcome the world. Satan couldn't go one step further. He could touch his stuff, but you can't touch the man. Okay, well then his reputation was in hand. But his money was gone. All right, now you can touch his, life, his health, but you can't touch his life. Job was alive through this whole thing. Job didn't know this. Job didn't see how far God had allowed it to go. But why did this happen? It was so that the world could know God. How much more do we know of God because of the sufferings of Job than we could have otherwise known? Do I desire anyone to experience the sufferings of Job? Absolutely not. But you know, the fascinating thing is, with Job, God blessed him back in this world. But the problem is Job lost all that stuff again. Because Job died. We're promised a much greater blessing even than what Job experienced after all that trial and persecution. Luke 7, 1 through 10. On page 1098. Thanks, Linda. She was ahead of me. Luke 7, verses 1 through 10. And see, the difference is I can stand here and I can explain how these things work and what God is doing. But is that the same as experiencing it? So is learning about this stuff the same as experiencing this stuff? No. I'm going to deviate. Don't worry, I'll come back. I promise. What's the second part of the Great Commission? Oh, I, 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 actually, I didn't, because I heard it all at the same time. For some reason, you all talked at once. Doug, what's the second part of the Great Commission? That's the first part. The second part. To, uh, teaching them to observe, to obey all I have commanded you. And so I can talk about this stuff, and I can teach you about this stuff. The second part of the Great Commission is not, and teaching them all about me. It's teaching them to obey, to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this stuff we can learn about, but if we're not walking in it, we're actually not fulfilling discipleship. We'll never experience it. Kirsten and I were talking about that last night. We have this theology of glory in our heads. You know, Luther talked about the difference between the theology of the cross and the theology of glory. Theology of the cross is it's going to take work. It's going to be suffering. It's going to be hardship. We're going to face these things. It's not just going to be roses and flower petals all for, through our lives. The theology of glory is, well, Jesus conquered, so everything's going to be good. Theology of glory isn't 100% true. Jesus conquered, but that doesn't mean it's all going to be good. It's going to take a cross. We're called to bear our cross. And so as I 
walk in obedience to Christ, I experience these things in a deeper way than I ever will if I just learn about Jesus and learn about them. And so that's why we can have joy because I can rejoice knowing that God is sanctifying me and that as I'm walking in Him, I'm experiencing these things in a way that I never would have otherwise had the opportunity. If I don't suffer, I never have the opportunity to see the true depth of the joy and the peace that God can give. If I never have to deal with someone irritating, I never really see what it means to live in kindness and gentleness. If I never have to, <laughs> Lindy's laughing because he has to put up with me all the time. Um, I think. <laughs> goodness. If I never see evil, do I ever really understand goodness in its full depth? No. And so as we suffer, as we deal with the things of this world, we're called to walk in Christ. We're called to walk with the Spirit, trusting Jesus, because as we live these things out, we experience the depth. I can know about them, but knowing about them is not experiencing them. We only experience them when we walk in them. And that's so important. Because if that just lives here in church on Sunday mornings, we'll never know Jesus in greater and deeper ways. So what does Luke tell us? Luke 7, 1 through 10. After he had finished all these sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus. He sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us, and built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the serpent well. Is there any trial, struggle, sickness, difficulty that Jesus doesn't know about? Is he shocked by them? Whoa, you mean you dealt with someone that's mean? I don't know what that's like. No, it, he knows. And so what are we learning here? This is about sickness. You know, as you can tell, I've got a cold. It's been really annoying, but it's just a cold. I prayed that God would take it away, but he didn't. And so having read this and prepared for the sermon, I had to say, all right, Lord, I don't know what you're up to, but I'll trust you that this is for some good. I, don't, I still don't know what it was. But nevertheless, as we look at the trials that we face in this life, how do we look at them? Are these things that are coming to us out of the blue? Or are these opportunities that God is giving us to walk and trust in Him? To see Him? Because this sickness... The centurion said, you can make it go away if you want. You can say, go, go, and it'll go. I know what authority means. Christ has authority over these trials. Christ has authority over Mark's cancer. He could say, go. And it would go. He has authority over my cold. He could say, go. And it would go. He has authority. 
He has authority over people. He can make them go, and they would go. He has authority over politicians. Do you think there's any politician that's got enough leverage on God that, God is, that he's making God stay, let him stay there? So as we think about all of these politicians and some of these numbskull laws that are being passed right now, could Jesus say, all right, you're done? Yep. He might. <laughs> we don't know. But he could do that. He is the one with authority. He has authority over all people. He has authority over all things. He has authority over all sicknesses. He has authority, period. And that authority is not just the right to do something, but the ability to do it. That's the Greek word dunamai. If you read that word authority in Scripture, or the word power, it's the right and the ability to enact your will. And so if Jesus didn't want this, he'd just tell it to go. Now, James tells us that you have not because you ask not. And so does that mean that everything that's going on around us is going on because Jesus wants it to, and so we should just sit back and just endure it? No. We ask. We anointed Mark with oil. We've prayed. We ask. Lord, heal. I'm guessing in your guys' prayer groups, you all prayed for that. We prayed for it. I'm guessing you guys prayed for it. Levi prayed for it, and the kids' prayer group prayed for it. And so now what do we do? We submit and we trust. Keep our eyes on Jesus. And we thank him. Praise God. Praise God. Because if the one who has the authority says, not yet, what do we say? Thank you for not yet. Right? Isn't that hard? But that's what it means to trust Jesus. If I trusted myself, then I can't praise God. But if I'm walking in Christ and I'm praising and, and I'm trusting Him, I can have peace. I can praise God. Lord, it's not happening according to my time, but your time is better. It's not happening according to my desires, but your way is better. It's not happening in the way that I would like to see it happen. But you are better. You guys ever heard of the James Webb telescope? That's that new telescope that they're putting out all these really awesome pictures of the galaxy you know they're finding that the galaxy is way bigger not just the galaxy but the universe everything is way bigger than we ever understood and it's way more complex than we know what does god tell us in isaiah about the heavens he stretched them out this is the gift of god why because he also tells us as the heavens are above the earth so my waves are higher than your ways. And so if I can't understand why things are the way they are, does that mean that they're going wrong? Nope. That means I'm too small. Because it's the heavens are above the earth. And how high are those heavens? We're just beginning to figure it out. Not even close, actually. They think they're figuring it out. They're funny. So much higher are God's ways. And so what do we do? We walk in Jesus. We trust in him. Because you know what? We're not smart enough to figure this out. Not even Michelle. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> 
But this is reality. And so we trust. We trust. And in that trust, we have peace. Lord, you know. It's not going my way. Lord, you know. Praise God. So where does, whoops. Where does peace look? Peace looks up. And it keeps looking up. Because he knows. And he has overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, may we walk in this. Let us not be like the Pharisees who claimed to know you but didn't walk with you. They didn't trust you. They trusted themselves. Let's glorify you, praising you, relying on you, hoping in you, knowing you. Lord, I want peace that passes understanding. And I ask your forgiveness for trusting in things, hoping in things of this world, trusting in things of this world, instead of you. You are good. Your love endures forever. Thank you for overcoming the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Our final hymn today is number 542 in your red hymnal, Victory in Jesus, number 542 in your red hymnal. If you please rise as we close.